Hey everybody, welcome to Agency Unfiltered, the HubSpot Solutions Partner Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Dunn, and Agency Unfiltered is a weekly web series and podcast that interviews the owners, founders, and executives of agencies and services providers from around the world about whatever it takes to grow and scale. And this week, we have on the infamous Dan Tyre, a 16-year veteran of HubSpot, head of the Lion community, facilitator of Academy's bootcamp strategy, and potentially most notably the Pipeline Generation Bootcamp, and longtime advocate, resource, and friend to many in the solutions partner community. Dan joins the pod to talk about the two things he says are the most important aspects of scaling your business as a HubSpot partner, culture and growth. And so for culture, he shares actionable steps and the things you can do right now to improve your ability to recruit, hire, motivate, develop, and retain the right executives, employees, and partners for your organization. And for growth, Dan shares his own experiences in sales marketing and as an owner of a managed services provider himself and the concrete steps partners can take themselves to sell better, scale effectively, and address stagnant growth. Agency Unfiltered begins right now. Welcome to the Agency Unfiltered podcast. A long time coming, but welcome to the podcast. I've been a fan for so long, Kevin Dunn. You know that. I've told you in the hallways. I've told you on the Zooms that we attend on a weekly basis. I am uh, maybe the top Agency Unfiltered fan, and I'm delighted that you've uh, decided to ask me in as a guest. Uh, Yes, it's uh, again, I think... We've been circling. We knew. I think we had a good sense of a topic. It was just, hey, man, we just got to put it on the calendar. So I'm glad we have you here. So we Dan, might as well be a, I was, was stalking you, right? I wanted to like, how come I, you haven't asked me? Come on, let's go, yep. right? Circling yep. is when you're like, uh, like feeling things out and you and I aren't big enough to have an entourage, right? But we've known no, each yeah. other. I've known you for your entire HubSpot career. I am possibly one of the top five Kevin Dunn fans in HubSpot. And you have- Do you even think- Five of them? You think there's? You think there's five of them? Oh, I know there's five. Maybe top five. Starting with oh, okay. Cordy Settler, right? <laughs> and like, uh, it's hard to find somebody that you've pissed off, right? And you do a lot of things, right? You cast a wide net. You think somebody would be like, I don't like that guy, Kevin Dunn. I haven't found him yet. And I touch a lot of people at HubSpot. And you're a generally a nice guy, right? Number one, you're smart. Number two, you're funny. What did you just call it in the briefing meeting? The levity and Levity, brevity, and levity are key. Okay. And those are the two. Right. You can have brevity and levity. Yeah. Yes. Well, I got half of that anyway. But like, you just have such a nice way about you. And there's so many places that you impact, right? I've been a fan of the podcast. I've been a fan of you as a HubSpot professor. I've been a fan of you as a manager who manages, manages uh, culture and growth at HubSpot. And um, so I'm super excited to spend a half an hour with you or less if you cut me off, right? That brevity. Or more. Thing Who's to about. say? Who's to say? Exactly. And to uh, offer a little bit of uh, hopefully valuable information to our listening audience. Well, uh, appreciate the kind words, Dan. Uh, again, I think a, a really important KPI is uh, keeping the total amount of people you've pissed off as close to zero as possible, right? So that's it's a hard, good, though. That's a it's good hard. KPI. Just, well, Dan, let me ask you this. I, I can imagine that most folks maybe tuning in today uh, are aware of who you are, uh, what your uh, pocket within the HubSpot ecosystem is, has been, continues to be. 
Uh, but maybe the best place to start, man, just give us the lowdown. Who is Dan Tire? Uh, and how do you know so much uh, about the HubSpot Solutions Partner Experience? Okay, awesome. So uh, first of all, 65 years old, just celebrated my 65th birthday. So I'm officially a grumpy old guy, right? I have a 45-year career, mainly in partner and partner marketing and go-to-market partner strategies, mm-hmm. right? I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I've been married for 35 years, right? To beautiful, thoughtful, spiritual Amy Tyre. I have two socially responsible kids that are launched and living their own life, which is amazing, right? Uh, I've done five startups in the last 45 years. My first one uh, started right out of college and uh, scaled to a billion and a half dollars when a billion dollars was real money. Uh, my second one started as a um, professional services organization in my um, living room and scaled it to $30 million, six locations across uh, North America. My third one was a, a nationwide training company here in the United States. My fourth startup got bought out by Microsoft, lucky me. And then um, my boss at Groove Networks was this guy, Brian Halligan. And when Microsoft bought Groove Networks, he went to MIT and he uh, met Darvesh. I worked for Microsoft for about six months. And then he called me and he's like, we want you to like um, start HubSpot with us. And I'm like, why me? I live in Arizona. He's like, you're a good startup guy. You're a great sales guy. We really want to make sure that uh, this company gets off to a, a good start. So I'm like, all right, I'm in. And uh, I'm still here 16 years later, right? And I love HubSpot with my entire heart. I love HubSpot uh, Solutions Partners. I love the whole idea of uh, helping millions of small businesses grow better. And uh, it's been uh, like a labor of love. And Dan, you know, it's a tremendous story. You mentioned 16 years. That puts you in a very, very elite small group of the triple sabbatical group. I know. I just celebrated my third sabbatical, right? That's why I got so much energy. I usually skew pretty energetic, but like I've been off for four weeks, right? If I don't talk to somebody in a podcast or a public presentation or a speaking engagement, right? My wife will kick me out of the house, right? My wife sometimes suffers from anxiety. I'm like, I'll do anything to like solve your anxiety. She's like, okay. And she locked me out of the house. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And that means you have to get out. Yep. yep. Exactly. Exactly. I got to share this with somebody because in 25 or 30 minute increments, it's awesome. It's energetic. It's enthusiastic. It's exciting. Believe me, if you have to deal with this for more than like uh, 45 minutes a day, it's friggin' annoying. Right. And uh, so happy to be here sharing with your listeners, all this information The partner ecosystem though, is, is super important. Right. And I learned all of the um, like nuggets of wisdom working with IBM in my first startup, Lotus Development in my second startup, Microsoft in my fourth startups and all billion dollar technology companies. They have partner programs that are essential to their uh, growth and their go to market strategies. And uh, there's a reason for that. Right. Do you know the reason why all billion dollar companies have really solid partner programs? Uh, really uh, exponential growth, right? Scalable sales channel. Okay. Uh, yes and yes. So first of all, it's a superior way for customers to buy products. Customer awareness, customer intimacy, all the integrations that you have to do as you do platforms, planning, really understanding the customer. It's impossible to do it at a billion dollar level in that yeah. like really granular um, mode. You have to re- uh, like rely on integrators to do that. Uh, number two, uh, maybe not in the United States, but in certain uh, global areas, it's the primary mode of purchase and support. In certain geographies, 90% of technology is bought through an integrator, OEM, or a partner, 
right? 90%. So in the Nordic regions and in uh, areas uh, throughout Europe, that is the way you have to go to market if you're going to service that um, uh, global area. Uh, number three, any product that requires integration by definition is supported by a tech neutral company that can vet out which of the features you're going to integrate. Right. And in 2023, everything is about integration. So in uh, the early days of my first startup, I was able to view dozens of partner programs. Like there were some companies that had the best partner program. They really leaned in. They understood the vibe. And there were some companies that had a horrible partner program. They were like almost laughable. Right. And I was able to compare. These are the attributes of what's good. These are the attributes of what I will never do. These are the attributes that really uh, move the dial. And then when I started my second company, ALI Technologies, it was an essentially a solutions partner. It's around collaboration uh, technology. And uh, I learned so much about business, about small business, about enterprise sales, about engaging by building a professional services uh, company. And then we added software, went from zero to $30 million. Now, there's only a handful of HubSpot uh, solutions partners that are at the $30 million level. We had six locations. We had over 200 people. And we are the largest professional services organization in North America for this collaboration technology. And I realized that the priorities the potholes, the challenges at every step of the way. And one of the things that I discovered is the challenge of scaling any business is that uh, the things that work for you uh, before you're a million dollars work against you as you move beyond a million dollars. So one of the famous Dan Tyre quotes is whatever you've done, like uh, up to a million dollars works against you to get to $2 million. What you did to get to $2 million, you have to completely pivot to get to $5 million. At $5 million, everything changes. And there is, it, it resonates so much with um, uh, small business owners and solutions partners who are paddling as fast as they can, who uh, want to understand how they can see around corners and uh, realize that for them to actually scale, they need to adopt that philosophy. Um, uh, real quick, um, I want to get into some of those priorities. How can other uh, partners in the ecosystem, those listening today, avoid some of the potholes? Now, obviously, firsthand experience in navigating those waters, paddling as fast as you could as a services provider. You mentioned you had a really good view of what makes a good partner program versus what makes a bad partner program. What are some of the hallmarks, hallmarks or traits of good partner programs? All right, Where do you so think HubSpot adapts to that? Okay, that, I didn't prepare that, but that is a great Throwing question. We should have included yeah. that in the prep because I could speak for 45 minutes on that. First of all, you have to have a partner mindset, which HubSpot clearly does, right? Uh, HubSpot understands that partnership is a multi-year, sometimes multi-decade journey. I was with Halligan in, uh, I think it was in 2022, and uh, we were at some partner function. And uh, I'm like, this is amazing. He goes, you know what? Our partners are more committed to HubSpot than our employees. And I'm like, what? He's like, our partners are more committed to our employees. I'm like, what are you talking about? And uh, he's like, our employees can go out and get another job anytime, right? Our partners have made a commitment to us and our technology over, they've staked their entire net worth. And I'm like, okay, you are right. That is amazing. And that is true. And if they're willing to do that, then we need to be willing to support them, right? So um, all of the senior executives at HubSpot understand how 
our partner program fits into the go-to-market. In fact, Yamini has made it the foundation of the entire company ecosystem, right? And I think, uh, hope that everybody at HubSpot understands the critical uh, component of uh, successful partnerships in that process. Uh, number two, you've got to expect that when you start a partner program, people are going to stumble. They're not going to be as good as you in sales or delivery or whatever. And if you have that mindset, right, you're going to fall into that part, uh, pothole, then it becomes a much different kind of thing. Rather than blaming the partner, why did you do that? Why did you, you're like, okay, you made that mistake. We remember making that mistake. And then you have to pick them up. You have to dust them off. You have to say, did you learn that lesson? And then you have to move on and try to explain that and um, share that with everybody else in the ecosystem. Uh, number three, it's about relationship over time, right? The HubSpot Partner Program has changed significantly since Pete Caputa started in 2009. It's a whole different kind of thing, and that's just to be expected. That's the way business works. That's the way the world works. That's the way your partnership program has to work. And then the fourth thing is the only partnerships that really make sense is when both parties make money, right? And so there's lots of partnerships you see announced all the time. We're going to like uh, partner with this guy. We're going to partner with this guy. I'm like, great. How are we both going to make money? And uh, I always draw back to this uh, triangle that I saw in like 1980. And the triangle is fairly simple. And one, there's the technology person in one or company. And one, there's the customer. And one is their partner. And if you can clearly see the value that each one is adding, so it's just intuitive and obvious why somebody would deal to a partner, then it makes sense. If you have to like squinch up your nose and say, all right, Kevin, what is the value here, right? Then it's uh, going to be harder to substantiate why this is an effective way for a customer to buy. And uh, in 2023, right, it's all about time to value right? It's all about what everybody wants in 2023 is they, um, they have a ache. They want a gastroenterologist, right? Because they don't want to wait a whole day to get it solved. They want it immediately, right? And um, a partner program allows you to uh, approach, plan, respond more quickly. So I think it's going to be a, a very uh, critical format, even over the next few decades. I love that. It's the the top to bottom partner centricity, uh, symbiotic relationship, mutual assurance, or uh, you know mutually assured benefits and revenue and value, uh, and then being able to uh, help. What sounds like you know uh, train, uh, enable, empower partners to be an extension of your sales and services and delivery motions, right? And allow them to stumble out of the gate. All those things. Yeah, great. I love that. It's more yeah, than that. When we say, when somebody asks me, should I buy direct or buy from a partner? I usually say it's better for you to buy from a partner. Why? Because uh, HubSpot is front office software. The key is the integrations into everything. And the key is how it's going to evolve over the next 10 years. Now that HubSpot has small business software, or actually free software, all the way up to enterprise software, the goal is for you to uh, scale with um, common technology, uh, yep. crafted, not cobbled, right? <laughs> technology. And the only thing that can get you there is a partner that sees where you are, who can help identify what the weaknesses are today and then can help you scale. That is incredibly valuable, right? The technology is important, right? The ability to uh, take um, new product features like artificial intelligence and uh, different hubs and integrate them, all essential. 
right? But what a partner can do is get down to really brass tacks. They can understand your strategy and uh, the ability for them to plan for you starting today for 2024 so that the software can scale with you so that you're reducing the bottlenecks and letting your flywheel like spin is uh, amongst the most important investments that you can make. Agreed. Love that. Now, Dan, I know... Uh, thanks for indulging me uh, in that quick pivot question. I was interested to get your insights on just what makes good partner programs. Now, I know you were about to tie your experience as a services provider yourself into the partner experience. And uh, uh, so therefore, my question to kind of go back to that, uh, are there key you know, considerations or important priorities that HubSpot partners must be you know, looking at or emphasizing when trying to scale their business and carve out their place within the ecosystem? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it does. And um, for me, it's always two things, right? It's culture and it's growth, right? Um, culture is the product you produce for your employees. And HubSpot is world-class in creating culture. It's sometimes a little bit harder for small businesses, especially professional services businesses, to establish that same culture. Although it's not impossible and it just takes a little bit of time, not necessarily a lot of money, right? But a little bit of time. All large companies, all billion dollar companies strive to have a culture like a small company, right? And you and I having scaled through the HubSpot experience, right? We can remember what the culture was like when the company was a little bit smaller, right? Because it was a little bit more personal. And uh, as companies scale even to 30 and $50 million, keep creating that culture, that emphasis on the employee plays huge dividends. And then the growth part, everywhere in the world, everybody wants to grow. Have you ever met somebody that didn't want to grow? Uh, no, I don't like those people in my circle. Okay. So the only place, the only geography that I ever found that uh, companies don't want to grow is Italy, right? When I was uh, speaking in- oh, Italy, I didn't mean to I'm insult like, Italians. You know, uh, you teed I'm me up to insult Italians. Italians. Yeah. I, used the, I used the geography rather than the culture, right? But I'm like, all right, do you want to grow? And they're like, nah, maybe. And I'm like, no, no, no. What happens if you lose a customer? And then now nah, we'll get a new one, right? That's the only place where culture and growth, right, wasn't significantly uh, on the like uh, pedestal of what they wanted to. And of course, <laughs> uh, scaling any business is all about priorities, right? It's about potholes because you're all going to make the mistake, right? It's about looking at it with the right attitude, and it's about uh, priorities, right? And understanding that culture and scale in in virtually every kind of co company where the economy is growing, if you're not growing, then you're going backwards, right? Most people don't want to go backwards, right? Therefore, growth has to be an essential part of your coordination, All right? So culture is like oxygen. It's essential to recruiting, hiring, retaining quality employees, and uh, here in the United States with unemployment at a 50-year low, right, uh, culture is always a good investment. When I was working with Mark Roberge, right, the first vice president of sales, right, uh, and he wrote the book, The Sales Acceleration Formula, which is a great book. Have you ever had Roberge on your podcast? Okay. Uh, if you want that connection, I'll make that uh, connection. <laughs> Right. Yeah, all right. You just you said it on there, so now you're holding yourself accountable. To that. I love it. Well, we'd he love to have Mark on. We'll get Mark he on. Wrote for the, sure. He wrote the book Sales Acceleration Formula, which he wrote at HubSpot going from zero to 100 million. And he talked about the time that he spent building culture and the recruiting process. And when I asked him in our first year working together, I'm like, how much time do you spend on recruiting and culture? He's like, 60% of my time. 
I'm like, that's insane. Because as I was scaling businesses, it was uh, more along the line of 10 or 15%. I'm like, why do you spend all that time? He goes, Tyra, it's the only thing I can do. If you don't have that foundation of a good quality culture, it's impossible to build. It's impossible to scale. It's impossible to keep growing. And I'm like, okay, that's it. And he always looked at things from a, a scientific perspective. So culture is oxygen right? A good culture is a competitive advantage, but like most things, it's very, very hard, right? And you have to spend a lot of time, not necessarily money, but a lot of time, right? The first and most important like attribute that I always tell people is to uh, write a culture code, right? And you know, the HubSpot culture code, right? And uh, do you ever leverage the culture code in your individual work? Uh, I I reference back uh, probably more so than you would imagine, to be honest. I I refer back to it quite frequently. Uh, I'm going to say... Absolutely weekly, right? Uh, humble is my H in heart is yep. lowercase. I'm the, the humble thing. I'm just <laughs> you're a lowercase H, over. but uppercase E A R T. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. empathetic, which Katie Burke uh, changed from effing effective to empathetic, <laughs> was a brilliant change. That's yeah, a great change. I was um, not that excited about it uh, at the beginning, but then I'm like, okay, I understand it, and it is a great um, change. Uh, number three, uh, adaptable, unbelievable, right? And uh, that was uh, just a premonition of a great way of an attribute of everybody you want. And then uh, remarkable and transparent is also plays into all of the attributes that uh, most um, employees from Gen Z all the way to the wise and the experience want to like deal with. And your culture code could be a little bit different, but unless you take the time and the effort to like write it out, Lots of people just say, can I use yours? And you can, but it's not your culture code that you're going to indoctrinate. And it's going to be a little bit different. But the fact that you have a culture code separates you from everybody else, right? Um, Then uh, a good one-on-one program, which is actually both um, like uh, good for professional performance, but it's also good for building trust, right? One-on-one program like individual contributor to their manager or like direct report structure. Is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. There's some people that don't do one-on-ones with their subordinates. I'm like, okay, when's the next one-on-one? And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, when's the next time you sit down with the people in your team and talk to them one-on-one? And they're like, we don't. I'm like, well, how do you give them critical feedback? How do you help them grow and develop? How do you um, like, and they're like, oh, that's a good idea. And I'm like, okay, on a regular case, and you and I take it for, for granted. Right. You and I like that. Of course you do that. Right. How, how can you run a company with that? But there's lots of people who don't do formalized one-on-ones, right. To uh, assist in the development of um, individuals. Now what goes along with that is a personal development plan. And there's lots of people here at HubSpot who do a great job on a personal development plan. And that is somebody that you um, uh, works for you. You want them to understand what they're supposed to do, but you also want to understand how they can improve their skills. Right. And it's not an expensive kind of thing. Right. And the way I do it is um, I ask subordinates, you got to do all the work. And they're like, I'm happy to do all the work. I want you to review. I want you to pay for it. I want you to hold it, hold me accountable for it. But I'm happy to do all the things that you need me to do so that I can get promoted or I can make the leap or and sometimes it's a multi step um, personal development plan. So if your goal is in five years to be a CMO, boom. Put that up by uh, 2028. I want to be a CMO. That means I need to be a vice president of marketing by uh, 2026. That means I need to have a, be a director of marketing by 225. And then these are all the skills. 
And I was just helping somebody pull this together for their um, uh, solutions partner uh, this week and um, said, just get the job description for where you want to be, understand. And there's two parts. Number one, do a self-assessment, how good you are on all the individual skills to make that leap, and then have your manager do an assessment and then find the gaps, right? Some people uh, would rate themselves a uh, eight out of um, 10 on interviewing. And you're like, okay, how many people have you interviewed? And they're like, none. And I'm like, okay, it's unlikely you're going to be an eight, right? Maybe, right? But uh, usually it takes a little bit of time and effort to uh, get there. How good are you on one-on-one skills? And they're like, I'm great in my one-on-ones. About How about giving the one-on-one? And they're like, okay, that's a little bit different. Maybe I'm a... And that gives you an opportunity to make it very, very tangible, right? But if you have a personal development plan, you're way, way ahead. Uh, the third uh, point that I give to many people in... Um, in uh, culture is a mentorship program. And of course you and I both know the network buddy program. Kara runs the network buddy program. Yeah. Yep. The, yeah. Yeah. The Academy buddies. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, have uh, Cara, you participated? and uh, Lisa, Cara and Lisa. Yes. Okay. And I have amazing Lisa Stafford. Have, yeah. yeah. And Kara. Uh, um, and, uh, have you participated on both sides or just one side? Um, both sides. Okay. And so uh, it's the amazing thing. Um, we have a program where you get somebody else in HubSpot Academy where you talk with, they have a little um, program where you yep. dedicate, I don't know, 10 hours of your time. And the uh, mentee will say, these are the things I want to work on. You cycle in, you build trust, you build a relationship. How much does that cost? Cost five yep. hours on each side or 10 hours on each side. I've had um, eight or so network buddies. I can't give them up. I collect them like Easter eggs, right? Because mm-hmm. they're so much fun, right? That's it's rewarding work too. It's rewarding for amazing. folks on both sides, right? Amazing, yeah. amazing. And I, I ask people, what do you need help starting a mentor program? Because it's not that hard. There's some stuff there. If people need help, they can ping me, uh, uh, com. We're happy to help them mentorship program. And that makes uh, super, um, a lot of, uh, provides a lot of value for a low cost. And then there's smart benefits, Right. SMBs have uh, a, a huge advantage there because they can be a little bit more nimble. There's things like ERGs, fellowship programs, work remote programs. All of that lends itself to be the kind of company that people want to spend, um, you know, a, half a decade or a decade there. And it's even better than that. Um, one of the things I learned at HubSpot is um, I used to get pissed off when people left. Right. And uh, in the sales organization, you were shunned. Right. If you left, you're like, OK, this guy didn't believe in HubSpot. He doesn't bleed orange. And uh, Tarmesh actually taught me this. He's like, why? Why are you getting all upset? Tar? I'm like, well, we got this mission. We got to go because maybe their wife got promoted. Right. Maybe they got tired of the grind. Maybe they moved to Michigan. Right. At the time we didn't support Michigan or support remote work in Michigan. And you should celebrate the people who graduated at HubSpot. And I'm like, son of a gun, Darmesh, you are so right. And that's true. And that is part of the culture, right? If you graduate from HubSpot, you're still a HubSpotter and you'll always be part of the big orange circle, right? And that culture and that attitude and that uh, focus has been amazing to help build HubSpot outside of the um, like the core uh, employee group. In fact, um, HubSpot went through layoffs at the beginning of the year, right? It was a very difficult challenge, right? Uh, The A and Adaptable really came to the forefront, right? Which reminded me how important the culture code was. And then um, the follow-up to that process was amazing, 
where tons of HubSpotters and HubSpot people engaged in our um, community engaged with the people who were affected, right? Who uh, hustled to help people get uh, new uh, adventures and opportunities, who leaned in for emotional and uh, job Solutions partners, especially, right? Especially. The partners showed up big time. Big. Especially, especially, which shows me that um, if they're willing to do that for us, we're willing to do that for them. And it's added incentive to ensure that uh, we're working as hard as we can to help them grow their business. And really, that's what the core is, right? When you have a great partner program, and HubSpot has a great partner program, we don't always get it exactly right, but we sooner or later, right, we get it there. And um, senior executives for the HubSpot uh, partner program, amazing. They sweat all the details. They understand what it's like to be a partner. They understand how difficult it is. Their day doesn't go by where we don't understand how critically important it is for uh, our go-to-market strategy where uh, but we can't, we have to do everything we possibly can to make our uh, actually partners. It's, it's an interesting point in, in, uh, in, in regards to like, Hey, maybe, you know, this could go culturally, maybe you don't get something right the first time, but you know, you, you can readdress it. You can go back through it. How do you think uh, our partners should be balancing, you know, the, the, the push forward of indoctrinating, you know, a culture code, in the investments in personal and professional development of their teams versus how to understand when it's flexible or malleable, or they should readdress or readjust elements of the culture. How do you balance those two things? It's a very good question. And it's different for everyone. I'm loath to give uh, global advice uh, because it's useless, right? It all boils down to the individual and HubSpot makes uh, in investments of tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in our CAM program. And these people have an unbelievable viewpoint into what works and what needs to be improved. And the ability for you to leverage, the one thing I tell solutions partners is it's not a sign of weakness to ask for help, right? And you should like reach out to everybody you know. Now, lots of them really like that connection and value that connection, right? And we do too. Right. And uh, there's a lot of problems that over the last um, few decades we've solved that uh, we have uh, either um, good information. Uh, sometimes it needs to be updated. Sometimes it needs to be uh, accelerated because of uh, drastic changes, but it's there. And all you got to do is say, I need help with this. Right. And as individual contributors, as solutions partners, as uh, members of our partner community. Right. We don't know. Unless you say, this is the problem that I'm having. So whenever I do my workouts, whenever I'm working with specifically a solutions partner, I always ask them to pull together a uh, sheet that says, these are the things that you want to accomplish. I always make sure that they have a financial plan. The thing about uh, partners is they're so ridiculously optimistic, right? You talk to a partner, you want to break down the wall. You want to get so excited, right? They're so enthusiastic. They can do anything right? Which works very, very well for their mental health and the growth of their business works less well when you're trying to like set the right expectations. And I'm a big believer in always having a plan because the numbers don't lie, right? I like to look at that plan, right? In 2023, we always lean into customer retention, right? It's a little bit harder now in getting new customers, still definitely possible, right? But um, you always want to make sure you're circling your customers because that uh, uh, flywheel, that word of mouth, is the easiest way to do it. Then you want to understand what percentage of business that you can afford to deliver, right? In the early days of HubSpot, we didn't confuse selling with delivering, right? You can't do that now. You got to make sure you have the capacity. 
the experience, the understanding. And of course, everybody has to start at some place in time, but we do a great job of giving you as much information through HubSpot Academy, the HubSpot Academy Bootcamp, so that you can learn a little bit more. There are other partnership programs that uh, HubSpot can lean in. There's your cam. There's just lots of ways that you can get that uh, experience so that the expectation is all of the customer um, engagements that you have are going to be uh, 10 out of 10. Um. Dave, I know you called out two items here, right? When you're like, hey, listen, important priorities for partners that have an eye on scaling, it's culture and it's growth. We just touched on culture. Does that have to come first? Are we tackling these in sequential order in an order of operations partners should be thinking about? Do these happen simultaneously? I asked that question in my book. Uh, I asked, I think it was uh, J.D. Sherman. I'm like, um, which is more important, your customers or your employees, right? And um, he's like, okay, Here's the thing. Unless you have happy employees, you're not going to have happy customers, right? And that's the most succinct way that I've ever heard of um, understanding that priorities. They're both important. Do you love your mother? Do you love your wife? Right? I love them both, right? But if you have to prioritize, it's very difficult to have happy customers if you have unhappy employees, right? And in the old days, culture and building culture was something on the ninth slide. It was an afterthought. It was 5% of your time. Now it has to be front and center, right? Starting with three employees, right? And it has to be discussed and it has to be articulated and it has to be backed. And uh, that means you have to make tough decisions in regard to what you can do and what you can't do. Doesn't um, people, if you're honest with them, they don't expect everything all at once. And there's lots of uh, benefits of uh, being with a smaller company that scales over time, right? Benefits to you as an individual, benefits to your family, benefits to your work life balance, benefits to the interesting things that you can do, benefits to your development. And as long as you have like the uh, format of that, I think that uh, culture is got to be at the forefront of all scaling businesses. So I guess the the uh, asterisk here, just let's assume, before I ask my next question, let's assume that uh, the culture is at a place, we've established the culture code, it's indoctrinated, we have the structures in place for 101s and development pathways, we have the smart benefits, the ERG. So let's just assume all of that's in place. Uh, uh, we talked a little bit about establishing a financial plan. We talked a little bit, just very briefly, about the emphasis on retaining your existing customer base. But how else can solutions partners seek to address uh, uh, times when they feel that their growth has stalled out or is stagnant. Yeah, that stagnant growth uh, usually falls around a few things. It's either they can't sell in a process way, right, where there's either one person who's the rainmaker and they aren't able to offload that uh, through a process, or they can't deliver at an exceptional level on, um, over a time or the culture uh, is such where people keep leaving, or the leadership is uh, such where uh, people don't trust and follow that vision, or the final thing is that they don't concentrate on priorities. And that Hmm. is the hardest thing. It's the hardest thing for you and I. It's the hardest thing for a small business. We got uh, a billion and a half dollars on our balance sheet. We have lots of priorities. There's always lots of things to do. So in the early days, HubSpot had something called the M spot. Do you remember the M spot? I do. Mission, uh, we want to help millions of small businesses grow better. The S was who we serve, right? The uh, P for uh, plays, or these are the five, maybe seven things that you're going to do this year. The T's are the targets, and the O's are the admissions, 
right? And I wrote about this in the book, The Inbound Organization, uh, that we um, published in 2018. And it was seminal to thousands of uh, solutions partners because creating an M spot really helps articulate to everybody in the company what you're going to do, how you're going to measure it, but also what you're not going to do. And it does so in a way in which it's not so much we're never going to do that. It's like, we like that. We're going to work towards that. It's just not going to be on the priorities for this year. And I think that goes a long way towards honoring the ideas and the people who are building on the uh, process uh, without uh, demoralizing people to say, I had this idea, but they never implemented it in a way in which you can put all the wood behind one arrow and uh, that you could grow that culture and that growth. Uh, this might be a loaded question, probably not something you can answer super succinctly, but any recommendations for partners on when designing something like the M spot, how do you consolidate a list of everything you can do down to five to seven core core items? Yeah, it's essential, right? It is hard, right? But uh, it has to be done because um, the definition of priorities is uh, you're only going to do a few number of things, right? It's one of the toughest things, especially because entrepreneurs are so opportunistic, right? And they don't want to miss an opportunity, right? It's, but it's the same thing. I was working with a partner uh, this week on ideal customer profile. And uh, in 2023, the fastest way to grow is to pick a very specific customer, ideal customer profile and mine that uh, profile. I was at a, I spoke at a um, conference of, um, IT folks, and this one firm only uh, worked with uh, IT firms in the Southwest that were at least $20 million. And uh, I'm like, how many people, how many prospects do you have? They're like, there are about 64 of those. And I'm like, 64, is that enough? They're like, Ty, we have six customers. We add one customer a year, right? And everybody knows this is our specialty. This is what we do. This is how we do it. You got there's a line out the door of people saying, can I be your 2025 customer? And it really hit home that um, understanding and defining that niche, which is so hard for opportunity. You can always go out and be opportunistic. You can always take business that falls into your lap. But as you go after um, account-based marketing strategy, right, if you can get really good at a very targeted market where there is um, no um, issue where no one can argue that you're the expert in that people will beat down the door for regardless of the price for you to um, generate that business. And that's sometimes hard for people to understand, but it's an essential part of uh, scaling in 2020. And honestly, the important takeaway for me here, Dan, is uh, you're a, you're a niche guy, not a niche guy. You're niche. Uh, if you want to go to the beaches, you've got to work the niches. That's it for your UK <laughs> audience here in the United States. Um, niches like and the riches. riches is what the, yeah, 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 there it yeah, is. Yeah. I know you've heard me say that a million times. You're stealing my material now, which it's in the public domain. You go there, Kevin Dunn, you'll have your own spin on it and it'll probably be funnier than if I say it. Uh, now, Dan, now most folks uh, in our partner uh, ecosystem that have worked with you obviously are familiar with uh, the Lion community. They're familiar with our boot camps. Uh, and so I'd love to pick your brain a little bit on maybe an abridged version uh, of, of your, you know, recommended sales program, right? I think you alluded to it too. Hey, some of the partners we work with to develop like that growth workout or sales workout. So give me the abridged version. How do you, uh, execute, you know, uh, a sales program that's ready to lead to the growth that they're hoping yeah. to see. Right? Number one, you have to have that plan. You have to tell me, if you don't tell me I need six customers by September, then you haven't done the work because as I work with uh, partners, they change their mind a lot. 
right? And or they forget. And so I want the numbers first. And then we do a reverse funnel analysis. You want six customers? How many proposals do you have to put out? And they're like, um, 10. I'm like, do you know that? Are you guessing on that? They're like, oh, we're guessing. I'm like, what is your conversion ratio from proposal to customer? They're like, I'm not sure. I'm like, go into your HubSpot and figure that out because that's essential, right? And then how many opportunities do you need to have to create 12 or 15 proposals? And they're like, uh, we'll get that information. Then how many uh, uh, discovery calls do you need to have for that many opportunities for that many uh, proposals for that many customers? And then how many connect calls do you have to have to get that many opportunities? A reverse funnel analysis makes it real, right? Now, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, my goodness, I need to have 120 connect calls to get to 45 discovery calls to get to uh, 25 um, solutions partner calls to get to um, or goal setting calls to get to um 15 proposals to get to 10 customers. And then I'm like, okay, you got the playbook. Now, how are you going to do it? What is the um, distinguishing factor? What's the pothole that you get to have all of these customers? And it's usually the first connection. Our solutions partners are amazing once they get to the discovery call level. Where they sometimes fall down is uh, how to engage. And the best way to engage is friends and family. Right? You ever send me an email and say, you, you should talk to my friend Tucker. I'm going to talk to my friend, your friend Tucker. Right. So that warm relationship, right, based on our trust, you're lending Tucker some of your um, background and experience. And like I know Kevin Dunn, so I'm going to take that immediately. Right. You can do that with friends and family. Right. So then you go back to all your closed lost opportunities. I think this is uh, something that uh, some solutions partners forget. But um, I like to call up people that I worked with in 2014. I'm like, you remember me? And they're like, oh, Tyre, how could we forget? You're the guy who yelled at us for 45 minutes. I'm like, no, 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 right? Remember we talked about, and um, for some reason, right, you didn't get started. And I'm interested to understand, right, where you are now and what I can do to help, right? Um, the whole idea of the inbound philosophy is to help first, obviously, and then to sell when it's appropriate, right? When we engage as solutions partners, Right? There's a million ways that a solution partner can help people from strategy, from implementation, from integrations to support, to education, to uh, on the ground, uh, customization, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I like the philosophy of saying, all right, I, you're a target account for us. We want to work with you. Right? We know sometime over the next three years, you're going to have a problem. And um, we want to put all of the resources of our organization against that. I'm going to call you four times a year. I'm going to say, remember me. You're going to be like, oh, yeah. And I'm going to send you a video. And if there's ever anything that comes across your desk that you don't have the bandwidth to cover, that you don't want to cover, that you think that uh, somebody like us can handle, right? We want first crack or second crack or third crack. We want to work our way into being the best partner that you've ever had. And uh, that goes a long way towards establishing, as long as you have continuity, establishing a very good cadence where over multiple years, finally, somebody will say, all right, we can help. Also, the other uh, technique that I uh, tell people is uh, call your customers, right? Uh, I just saw an article about Gen Z people uh, not calling, right? And they're like, why, why don't we call them? Can't we text them? And I'm like, no, you got to call them. You got to call them six times over eight days. You leave six voicemail, right? And they're all a little different, right? But you're like, I'm trying to get in touch with them. I just want to have a 15-minute conversation. I've sent you an email. Just find 15 minutes because everybody can spare 15 minutes here. And I want to thank you for being a good customer. I want to thank you for being a good partner. I want to thank you for your participation. And I want to know, what's the one thing that's bunching you up? 
What's the one thing that if I could solve, you'd buy me a breakfast sandwich? What's the one thing that I can do that would make it easier for us to have a deeper relationship? And like people cry when you say that. They're like, this is the nicest phone call I've ever gotten. And they're way. Really yeah. appreciative, right? And that costs nothing. And if you're a CEO or a, a, a president or a senior executive, a solution partner, making that effort, right? Puts you in a completely different category, right? It's number one, human. Number two, it's just a super nice thing to do. Number three, they may not even know the things that you do for them, right? But you can build off that. And you're like, okay, if you ever, this is my cell phone number. Are you a text person or a phone person? Most people say text today. And I'm like, all right, you text this number. Right. I carry my phone 724. If there's ever an issue, I'll call you back within 24 hours unless I'm traveling to Europe or something like that. But I want to make sure that we're building this relationship because that's what everybody craves. Right. All the technology changes, all the different like um, um, like leaders, industry leaders, and this is all variable. The human element of really leaning in so that you know that I have your back, so that you know that I'm watching out for you, so that you and I grow together is the essence of a great uh, solutions partner program. I love that. How, where did you land on, uh, what was it, six calls over eight days? How, yeah. how, da how data-driven is that recommendation? Or is that just uh, what you... Yeah, it's a big one. In the old days, it was four over 12. Uh, starting in, I think, 2021, um, the um, information coming through um, HubSpot Research says that you have to extend it a little bit more. After six phone calls, if I call you six times, first of all, you're never going to answer. Only 14% of people you can call, Dan, you can call me anytime you want. I'll pick up I all know, the time. but you're not going to know my number. It'll be a 602 area code. Yeah, so I don't have too many Phoenix numbers calling me. I know, yeah. I know, I know. But you'll, in the fourth call, you're like, okay, somebody keeps calling me. You see their telemarketer or this guy wants to go, oh, remember, I'm leaving four voicemails, right? Then I'm going to wait a little way. I'm going to send you an email for each one that I call, right? And I'm going to say, ask for my voicemail. Ask for my phone call. Right. Uh, two of those emails are going to be a video email. So I'm standing there with a sign that says, Kevin, call me back or Kevin, have you checked my voicemail yet? Right. And then you're going to get 30 seconds. My uh, your uh, website or your um, agency unfiltered is going to be my background. I'm like, mm, I'm standing mm -hmm. right in front of agency unfiltered. You're going to be like, why is that? guy with the bushy eyebrows standing in front of agency unfiltered. You're going to watch that. You're going to hear me scream. And I'm saying, I left you three. Just uh, go to the bottom of this email, schedule 15 minutes. All I want is 15 minutes to introduce myself. Virtually everybody will get 15 minutes. That is the hardest part of any sales process, just starting it, right? But if you can get that started, right, with six calls over um, 12 days, 12 to 16 days, including a LinkedIn engagement, including two videos, right? Uh, people have to be as mean as a stone to not at least send you an email that said not interested. Right. And if you're talking to folks and you're using uh, the HubSpot uh, inbound sales positioning statements, we work with uh, podcast uh, producers who want to double their audience over the next 90 days and need engaging content to be able to do that. Does that sound like you? Like you're returning my phone call. Yeah. And yeah. that kind of uh, reverse engineering is not that hard. And it's what we teach in Pipeline Generation Bootcamp. It's uh, an essential part of the inbound sales process. And it's an essential part of being able to partner with a billion dollar or multi-billion dollar software company, which is why solutions partners like to partner with them. Um, and then the subtext under this too is uh, you need to have some of the systems in place, right? If you're going to do the reverse uh, funnel analysis, right? You need the data points to track that, 
right? If you're going to be going back through previously closed loss deals, you want some of the notes to offer the context. So you come back in to those conversations informed. And so I think like there's a systems and you have to have the, you know, your, your house in order in that regard. Is that a fair assessment? People process, uh, technology, all exactly right. And, um, the people part is the most important. Dan, final question. We, uh, as we come up on time, I wrap every episode with the same question. Uh, what's the strangest part of agency life? Uh, it's hard and it's never over. It's a grind, right? Uh, first year I was at agency, it was amazing. Everything went great. I was super excited. It uh, just rocked out. The uh, years two through nine was, uh, there was always a problem. There was either an employee problem or a customer problem or a vendor problem or something like that. And I was unprepared for the huge challenge that uh, it was never over, right? Uh, so you have to be mentally aware. You have to take weekends off, right? Which I know I have to remind myself how to do that. Uh, and you have to understand that that's part of the game. It's incredibly rewarding because you're able to engage with um, people um, and really, really help. You're on in like we're in the ground level of really adding incredible value. Um, but it's hard and, um, that's why not everybody can uh, do it. Yeah. But if you're the right person, it's the right line of business, then yeah, it can be a little strange, but obviously incredibly rewarding too. Uh, yeah. I ended up loving it. I love the scale. I love meeting the people. I loved um, providing the technology. I loved really making a difference in my employee's life. Uh, I got written up in a book called Creative Trespassers. My friend Tanya Katan, Tanya uh, part of my culture for ALI Technologies is uh, back in the days when you actually got a check. In your business career, have you ever gotten like a check that you had a cash in a bank? Uh, I mean, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, I've well, been direct like deposit for, for quite a while, but yeah. Yeah, when sure. you were a lifeguard yeah. at the pool or yeah, something, right. they gave yeah, you a right. check for $27. No, that was cash under the table, right? Yeah. All right, so I had 100 employees. I would put a yellow sticky in their check and say, good job, Kevin Dunn, right? And I'd actually write out 100 of them on Friday morning, right? The lady uh, who coordinated our payroll and people went nuts, right? They send me pictures on Instagram and I wrote, it was just a, Nice thing I wanted to do so that they understood that I recognized what they were doing, that it, I appreciated their, and uh, 35 years later, people are like, look what I found. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I found this little yellow stick, you know, uh, which had nothing to do with my leadership care, uh, qualities, but everything to do with um, the way in which um, I valued my employees and my culture for success. Yeah, love that. Well, Dan, we're out of time. Uh, incredibly insightful. Also feels very actionable for partners. Uh, some steps to take, both establishing and indoctrinating a culture that invests in their people, but also you know builds the, the engine towards what? Sustainable growth to help get out of any stagnant uh, uh, moments of growth and scale within their organization. So anyways, Dan, it's been a pleasure having you on. Finally, we got you on the podcast. All right. That's so much fun. Thank you very much, Kevin Dunn. Thank you to HubSpot. Thank you to HubSpot Solutions Partner Program. Thank you to all of the individual solutions partners that I've had so much fun with all around the world, speaking at your events, supporting you, helping you, guiding you, participating with you, helping us, um, having millions of um, companies grow better. That's awesome. All right, Dan, again, thanks for coming on. And for folks that have tuned in today, this has been another episode of Agency Unfiltered. 